we've probably uh, all heard the saying, uh, timing is everything. Uh, in music, keeping uh, the beat is and can be very crucial. Uh, to tell a good joke, timing is often quite important. Uh, in sports, to effectively complete the pass, hit the ball, uh, timing is everything. Uh, in investments, they say, buy low, sell high. Timing, again, quite crucial. Well, as we come to the end of Daniel, the 12th chapter, we're coming to the end not only of the book, but uh, the end of this final vision that Daniel has been giving that spans chapters 10, 11, and 12. And a central theme here in this vision and at the end is that of time. The time of the end. Uh, God's time and God's timing. So we turn to Daniel 12, a shorter chapter in this book, verses, uh, 13 verses. Daniel 12, beginning at verse 1. Let's give our attention to the Word of God. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. There shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation Till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and acknowledge, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, and asked, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. We learn in verse 5 and following that part of the action, part of the conversation that ensues here involves two figures, uh, likely Two angelic beings standing on each side of the bank of this 
uh, river or this stream. And when I read this text, which I've read before and began to examine it, my mind first went to my childhood. And because some of my fondest memories as a young person involved being on rivers. Uh, growing up in the Northwest, our family, quite active, uh, got involved in white water rafting uh, down a number of different rivers in central Washington, uh, I believe Skagit River, Skykomish River, others. Uh, these were rivers that had portions of class two, class three, maybe at times class four for just brief periods of time. If you're familiar with class two or three, it's nothing greatly tumultuous, but you might get some, some white water. But as a 10-year-old starting out, class two or three might as well be class five or six rapids. Exciting. And in our first encounters, we had a guide to give us instruction. He went with us and led us down uh, the river. And not only us, but with some other rafts as well. And the instruction I remember the most was that at a particular point on the river, we would need to paddle and paddle hard to get to the shore. Because just following that exit point, the waters would become rougher, the rapids greater. Well, down the river we went, enjoying the water, navigating the rapids. And after a few miles, the guide spoke up to emphasize our exit point was coming, and that upon his call, we would need to paddle and paddle hard to get ashore. Well, as we approached the point... The rapids were increasing, and I remember looking ahead, maybe 40 or 50 yards ahead, and the raft in front of us was clearly struggling with all their might to get ashore, but they passed the exit point. And I remember seeing this raft, and all of a sudden, it was gone. I mean, gone, like disappeared. Like, that's not a rapid, that's a waterfall. It's gone. And shock hit my 10-year-old heart. And I thought to myself, they're done. It is over for them. That was a waterfall. Well, we paddled and we paddled. We struggled to get ashore. Immediately, two hands grabbed the raft. And I looked up. My eyes met this man's eyes. It was our guide. He jumped out of the raft into the river. And I looked over and it was only like two feet deep. What is, it was not as tumultuous as I thought. He said, it's going to be fine. We got to the shore. I looked down ahead where that raft apparently went over a waterfall. It was probably only three feet. Something, they were going to be fine. Everybody was okay. They might have gotten wet and drenched, but not destroyed. Here at the close of Daniel's vision, amidst the experience of exile, 70 years, in a way we might say a sense of homelessness, this man appears described as dressed in linen, Similar description back in chapter 10 of a figure. And we're told in verse 6 and 7 that this figure rises above the river. He's above the shore which Daniel and the two other figures are standing on. And as the man rises above this raging river, above what the world can see, above what Daniel can see, he utters words to encourage, to strengthen to give peace and assurance that the rough waters of faith, the rough waters of life are not the end. They are not the end. And we see his words here at the very beginning of this chapter center on deliverance. First and foremost, a deliverance from death. It is a deliverance from death. 
That's what you have at the beginning. It's a snapshot of the end. The end end, it seems. He opens this chapter with at that time. Those similar words, the the end time or at that time, are repeated again in verse 4. What is this time? Perhaps it's the days ahead for Daniel. The trials of the early church, Peter and the apostles. Maybe the time of tribulation at the very end of history. At that time shall arise Michael. We have heard of Michael back in chapter 10. The chief, the prince of angels in Scripture. And we should remember, he rules under the lordship and governance of Jesus Christ. This is the Lord ultimately who is ruling. He shall arise. He who has charge of the people of God. There shall be a time of trouble, he says, but at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Those who sleep in the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So we are brought here to the end of history. The end of the raging river of life and history and faith. We're brought to what we call the general resurrection. The general resurrection. Where all people will be raised and their eternal destiny made certain. If it's not certain now, it will be crystal clear at that point. This is what Jesus taught in describing the separation of the sheep and the goats in that parable in Matthew chapter 25 and His final words in chapter 25. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Eternal life, joy, fellowship with God is for those whose names are written in the book. This is a book mentioned in Revelation 20. A chapter, among other things, that focuses on the final, the last judgment of God on all, upon all people. There, in Revelation 20, we hear these words. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and Him who was seated on it. From His presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So critical for our Christian life. Christianity is about more than living this life. It is about eternity, eternal things. This life is but a blink of the eye in comparison to eternity. And what we believe and how we live matters as it reveals and gives assurance that indeed our names are written in the book. One does not need to wait till the last day to have confidence and assurance that indeed their name is there. Paul says in Romans 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. A good question to ask ourselves, do we love the Lord? If we want assurance that indeed uh, my name is written in the book of life, do I love the Lord? 
Not first, do you agree with these principles or these propositions, however important they are. Do you love the Lord God? That's the first, that's the great commandment. Love the Lord your God. We cannot pretend, we cannot uh, trick the Lord. Do we love Him? Do we have an affection for my God, who He is and what great salvation He has revealed? Love the Lord your God. There's a theme that runs through really all of Daniel and certainly here in chapter 12. A theme so critical for Christian living. And that is the need and the longing of the human heart for home. Home. What is home? How would you characterize home? What is our ultimate home? We read in the text, some will rise to everlasting life. That is a word not only about duration, but really about place. If you were fortunate enough to grow up in a loving, godly home, or you're nurturing a loving, godly home now, you know it is a place where one is can be known, can be accepted, where truth is told, grace is given, where discipline and discipling, shaping occurs, where you have worth, where you can rest with a sense of security, where you have provision. As the saying goes, uh, home is where each lives for the other, serves the other, and all live and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, God is wanting to make this place, this town, this nation, this world, more and more His own home. That was His purpose in the beginning of creating the world, and then creating Eden, and and then a garden within Eden, and placing people there, a kind of sanctuary that he might make his dwelling known upon the earth. And then he calls Adam and Eve to spread that like a blanket over the whole of the earth, that he might dwell here, a dwelling place for God Almighty. This is why Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. That, that king and kingdom is, at, is present. It's why we're taught to pray, thy kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it will not be in fullness until the Lord Jesus consummates all things. Until then, we are wanderers in a way. If I could put it this way, until then we are homeless. Homeless. Ever since the fall in Genesis chapter 3, where we are told that in man's sin and rebellion against God, Quote, the Lord sent man out from the Garden of Eden. He drove out the man and placed a flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. Have you ever wondered why God would guard the way to the tree of life? Well, it was for your good and mine. It was for man's good. For in man's rebellion and fall into sin... He would not permit them to eat of a tree that would give them immortality in such a sinful state. That's the grace of God. With a sinful condition in a fallen world like ours, man's great need is not more time. We don't need more time. We need a redeemed life and a new home. That's the work God is doing. God would give to His people Tastes, tastes of this new home, uh, dwelling with them uh, through the wilderness wandering, cloud by day, fire by night. 
in the, in the shaping of the tabernacle, later the temple, where He would dwell, make known His presence. Ultimately, we taste it in Jesus Christ Himself, our life in Him, who, who said in John 14, in my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'll come again to take you to Myself that you would know true home with the Father and with Me. Our, our final and ultimate home is with Christ in glory, with the church triumphant in the new heavens and new earth, without sin, without tears and pain, with incorruptible, resurrected bodies. As we live now, we're called to long for what is to come. And yet we all know we have a faith journey to live now. A journey in which to grow and to learn. A journey indeed at times to endure. One of the challenges that we face is the fact that we're surrounded by a culture that believes everything can be fixed. One author said this, if you have crooked teeth, you go to the orthodontics. If you don't like your body or look, try cosmetic surgery. If you don't like your job, fix it by seeking the classified ads. Go get a new job. If you can't get along with your husband or wife any longer, the world says you may want to get a new one. Ian Duguid, the commentator, says this, the idea that evil is intractable and powerful with deep roots and sharp claws, that no amount of education, activism, or government reform will ever eliminate it is distinctly counter-cultural. And there are Christians who will fall prey to this kind of belief that whatever is broken, we can mend it. We can fix it. Buy this book, say this prayer, see this counselor, vote for this person, take these steps, and you will be well. Fit, invincible, healthy. I saw a gentleman at the gym just this last week with a shirt, new one to me. Follow no one. Follow no one. I did not strike up a conversation with him. (laughs) I'll lead the way. I'll create the path. I'm the solution. I'll fix the problem. I can do it. Some things cannot be fixed. In the dining room of the house I grew up in was a fairly large uh, window. Once or twice, it seemed every year, while we were eating or perhaps in another room, we would all hear it, this thud. And we usually knew what it was. A bird, a small bird, knocked itself out. Always being kind of timid around animals, I, I never made my way out there, but my oldest brother would. And he would go grab that bird, bring it inside almost every time, lay it on a blanket or a towel, and wait. What else do you do? We wait. And sometimes that bird, after seven, eight, ten minutes, would come back to life. Now, getting it back outside at that point is a little bit of a challenge. But sometimes it would knock the life out of itself completely. Some things cannot be fixed. Some things have to be recreated. Daniel and God's people, though in exile, God's people throughout the Old Testament, though longing for renewal, restoration, a temple again to worship, 
to find and, and call home. They knew that their ultimate hope lay beyond this earthly life. Ezekiel made it clear in chapter 37 of Ezekiel with the valley of the vision of dry bones. This picture of dry bones coming together, knit together, forming people, created again, resurrected if you will. The dead made live, this army of the Lord. Jeremiah 31, the promise of the new covenant. When God will write His law on the heart of man, and no longer shall one teach his neighbor saying, Know the Lord. They will all know the Lord. Or Isaiah 65, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. Though like Daniel, we know our ultimate and perfect peace and joy and rest can only be known when delivered from this body of death in this fallen world. Yet for now, perhaps we struggle with the questions, the two questions that the angel and Daniel ask. Verse 6. Here's the first one. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long? How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? All that Daniel has seen, the rise and fall of many empires, the abomination in the temple of God. And the man clothed in linen above the waters gives a twofold response to how long, O Lord? Verse 7, the man raised his right and his left hand toward heaven and said, it shall be for a time, times and half a time. A time, perhaps a year, times, two years, and half a time, half a year. Anybody got their calculator? It's three and a half years. Many, perhaps most, believe it's referring to a three and a half year period of time. Later, if you look at verse 11, he declares the time to be 1290 days, equaling three and a half years. Both figures seem to represent three and a half years. Well, this would go well with what has been said back in chapter 4, verse 25, with the number 7. 7 was given to communicate a period of completion. In other words, to speak of a period of three and a half in light of 7, a full number, a completed time, is to speak of a time cut short, limited, a time that will come to an end. It won't endure forever. But then notice, after the figure, the number of 1290 days is mentioned, he says this in verse 12, Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1335 days, adding 45 days. In adding this period of time, it not only kind of heightens a sense of mystery about it all, but it calls for believers to the need to persevere, to be steadfast. Maybe these numbers are kind of covered, shrouded in mystery, but it's a number. It reveals God's determination, God's control, the limit on the number. How long? The response is not, well, just hang on. It could be without end. No, it has an end. It has an end. So the time calls for a steadfast spirit, 
I think it points us to, to words like Paul's in 1 Corinthians 15. Very end of that chapter. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Daniel's labor was not in vain. Your labor is not in vain, not only for the here and now, and this would be an encouragement to all of us, when, when times are hard, when, when we might be downcast, how we live our faith is crucial not only for us, for our spouse, for our family, for, for the body of Christ here, but for the next generation and the one after that. That people might, down the road, look back to know a, a people faithful following after Him. How long? And then a second question comes in verse 8. I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? All right, if I don't know for how long, with precision, at least what is the outcome of this exile, of this trial I'm in, of this earthly life, of the very end, he says in verse 7, when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. That might surprise us. Sounds a bit like a paradox. Our, our hope is in a way our own coming to the end of ourselves. God, God works in that way often. He often moves from suffering to glory, humility to exaltation, from the temporal to the eternal. It's the opposite of the message, live your best life now. No, God is about sanctifying and refining His people. And at the same time, judging the nations. He speaks of those who shall purify themselves, be made white, and be refined. Trials come to refine and to sanctify us. Trials do not refine in themselves. They really reveal the true substance. If you put metallic ore into a crucible of heat, the metal, as I understand, will sink to the bottom and the slag can be removed from the top. But if you put in impurity and dross, if that's what goes in, that's all that's coming out. The heat simply reveals and separates the pure from the dross. We sing that wonderful hymn, How Firm a Foundation. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The final words here in Daniel are quieter, seems to me, but deeply important. That final verse 13. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. It's kind of a quiet finale. But the author has made as clear as possible the future. Secured resurrection in the end. And the Lord is, is, is making one of the strongest assertions about His call on an individual life, His destiny and plans for the future. He's affirmed the resurrection. He's affirmed His control of history. But the reader is to understand 
that the God who calls men and women to Himself will lead through often conflicts, personally, among nations and empires, changes of times and seasons, but He has prepared a place for His beloved. Just as Jesus assured His disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. You shall rest. You shall rest. Daniel reminds us of God's great and sovereign reign over the nations. Do not fear. God rules. Daniel exemplifies and he foreshadows our precious Savior Jesus Christ. The faithful one. Daniel has been faithful. He's not understood all things. All things have not been crystal clear, but he's been faithful to the task before him. And Daniel points us to our eternal rest where we will know perfect, perfect peace and endless joy. May we taste of it now through our life in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your precious Word. How You provide for us all that we need for our life and for godliness through what You have revealed. We thank You that You are one who walks with us and before us to teach us, instruct us, Lord, to sanctify us as Your people. We thank You that we have a firm foundation in the work finished through Christ and His cross. For the promises of Your Word, of this future resurrection, already secured through the resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that You would continue to grow us and mature us, that You would dispel fears or anxieties that we have as Your Word becomes more and more gripping upon our heart and life. That it, that it has a hold on us as we yield to You. And we pray uh, that by Your Spirit and by Your grace, You would help us um, serve and care and love one another, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That the hope that we have, O oh Lord, would spread abroad. That we would see men and women, boys and girls, come to know You, the living God, and have life in Your name. We pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen.